Today, we're talking to Harish, the head of product at Hattaka, about the ways in which Hattaka is boosting developer productivity and how Harish's dedication to running makes him a better leader. You're listening to Joel Beasley, Modern CTO. I was really interested to hear about you and your running. How did you get into running? As they say, it's a midlife crisis thing. Um, you're always looking for ways to, you know, you know, get good at something else apart from work. And I think us technology people, we just spend so much time in front of the computer. It's just, you know, the easiest thing to do is just go out and run. And uh, back in the day, I think this is almost 10, 15 years ago, Nike had this really cool device. It was called, the, I think, the Nike running pod. You could put it in the shoe and that thing would connect to your phone via Bluetooth. And then you would have all kinds of running metrics and so on. And, you know, just technology people just need another data source to geek out on. <laughs> so that's what got hooked me into running, you know, just analysis, looking at data, looking at trends. And the next thing, you know, I'm just hooked to this thing. And it's been, what, 15 years now. So, wow. yeah. <laughs> How often do you run? I try to get in four to six days a week. How far are you yeah. running on average? Uh, weekly, I'm kind of now getting back to 50 miles, uh, which is decent. Uh, but I need 50? to- 50? 50? 50, yes. 50 miles per a week. Per week? Per week. That's what I'm trying to get to. But yeah, uh, during training cycles, that's kind of where you go. Otherwise, you're just hovering around 40, 45. Wow. I, I spent yeah. about three years running. And then oh, nice. I stopped when I got to the point where I was just consuming like lots of food just so I could run. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm sitting down making time to eat just so I can run. I was like, if I just run less, I won't have to eat as much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Struggles tend to be fairly, you know, fuel bar houses. All right. So let's talk about this. So you work in technology and you use running as this outlet to keep away from the screens. I live out on a farm out in the middle of nowhere. So it's beautiful because I get to be on the screen all day and then I immediately <laughs> disconnect when I walk out of my office and I'm in the woods and then I have my nice. family. And so this balance between screen time and outside time, super important. And people that are listening, there are definitely some people who've mastered it, but there are some people who know that they should be doing it and they want to get started, maybe baby steps. How do you suggest somebody get started with being more connected to outside and nature? Yeah, uh, I'm actually a fairly strong believer that you do your best work when you're not literally focused on that work 24 hours. So if you want to be really good at your craft, and, and in technology, we talk a lot about craft. If you really want to be good at craft, you can't be you know crafting all the time. You've got to take the time off to you know sharpen the saw, uh, get diverse perspectives, uh, and it's, it's actually proven, right? Time and time again, it's been proven that uh, going out for a walk uh, or doing something alternative helps you uh, develop deep, different perspectives uh, with which you can potentially get better at craft. I call these, you know, serious hobbies, uh, something that's all-consuming, you know, whether it's painting, whether it's playing the guitar, playing a musical instrument, doing some physical activity, but essentially something that's all-consuming. Uh, whatever floats your boat, you know, it, it, the moment you find yourself in a flow, in an all-consuming activity, nine times out of 10, you're going to come back energized and you're going to, you know, become better at your craft. Um, that's that's my worldview, actually. 
And it forces you to be there a hundred percent, right? You exactly. can't be. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is this how a lot of people at Haraka think? Yes. Yes. I wouldn't say it's our culture, but uh, given the space that we operate in uh, as a company, we really think about pushing the boundaries of what engineering needs to be, what the future of technology is, and how engineers can get better. Right. Um, so it's it's definitely something that we spend a lot of time thinking about. And what have you learned so far? You're a media. Are you you're a startup company? You're solving a problem. Tell me about that. Yeah. So uh, so essentially, the space that we operate in is. Um, is to help engineering teams get better. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about developer productivity. We think of this as engineering productivity, like the entire system has to be more productive. And a lot of things are changing, right? Uh, obviously, there was cloud and all of that a few years ago. Now it's AI, right? And some fundamental things have changed. Earlier, the, the entire organization was built around making engineering more efficient. So they would have product managers who would uh, define the requirements, trim them down, do an MVP, do an MVP plus one, because building stuff was hard. Uh, writing code was hard. Uh, turns out that's not the case right now. Right? You could ask, you know, GPT, you could ask GitHub Copilot to write code for you. So suddenly, the agility with which you can ship is has changed significantly, right? Um and, and that's something we spend a lot of time thinking about. How do we make engineering teams more productive, uh, more aligned with their business when the existing constraints are gone? And how do you do that? Yeah, so, so we basically connect with all the tools that engineering teams use, you know, GitHub, Jira, all these kinds of things, and essentially pull out data which empower engineering teams. Now, if you, if you take a step back, right, engineering teams provide data to a bunch of teams, business teams, product teams, everyone. But the engineering team themselves are not that data savvy. Like the most data rich conversations they can have is how many Jira tickets did you close this past sprint, right? Which doesn't tell you anything actually. It just It's a quantum of work done. And that's one part of it. The other part of it is you go into any engineering review and you ask, hey, what did you guys do? Uh, you would get a bunch of English Right? You would get paragraphs and paragraphs of you know, verbose comments on we solved that problem, it was a hard problem to solve, we unblocked the customer, we launched this feature, and all that is great. But the question is, we really need to look at everything engineering is doing in terms of, hey, are you working on things that's, that's important for the business? Right? Uh, are you heading in the right direction as engineering? Are you doing things fast? Are you following engineering best practices? How are the people doing, right? You don't want to throw, you know, engineers, get them work 40 hours a week or, you know, 80 hours a week because that's not sustainable. So you've got to think about uh, people well-being. So these are some of the data points that we basically uh, sum up and present uh, to engineering teams, uh, as well as, you know, the finance organizations, the management and so on. Uh, we like to think of this as data-driven engineering, actually, and so what, what type of problem, if I'm a tech leader, I mean, a lot of people listening to this show manage technology teams, right? Yeah. What problem am I facing? What pain am I experiencing that I think, okay, this sucks. I need to go use Hattaca. Like, why would they come to you? Why would they find you and then say, okay, we're having this business problem over here. Here's the pain. Your product solves the problem. What is that? Oh, actually, the stuff that our customers come to us for are, are three things, actually. Uh, number one is 
what percentage of work that engineering is doing is actually aligned towards the business. That's the that's the number one thing because it turns out engineering does a lot of work on uh, resolving technical debt, you know, keeping the lights on, fixing bugs, and anything that's new work tends to happen after all these other things are taken care of. So that's the first thing, you know, business alignment. Is engineering pointed in the same direction uh, as the business? That's the first thing. Um, the second thing is, if engineering and business are pointing in the same direction, how quickly is engineering moving? You know, what's the velocity with which you're going? So direction, velocity. And the third thing, of course, is uh, the quality of how engineering is delivering. You know, are you planning and delivering things you know, correctly? Uh, are you delivering the things that you said you will deliver? Are you, or are you delivering something else? Uh, so so those are sort of the three things. Direction, velocity, and health. Those are the three things that we typically solve for our customers. So if people are experiencing that right now, and they're looking yes. for solutions, they could call up Hataka and be like, hey, show us what you've got. Yep, that's pretty much how it goes. Uh, obviously, you know, as as you get into the depth of things, it, it gets fun. Um, so So this happened actually yesterday. So we integrate with, you know, communication and collaboration tools as well. And uh, one of our customers was saying, you know, we know our engineering team is really good, right? Uh, and no engineering leader would say otherwise, right? Uh, my team is the best. But it just so happened that for the last eight weeks, we've not been able to deliver more than 50% of what we planned. And that's that's obviously, you know, unfortunate. So we sort of went down this rabbit hole, you know, hey, are the product managers not defining things properly? Or, you know, are the requirements too complex? Is there something new that's come up? Uh, so we went down that whole path and turns out engineering people are spending four hours a day in meetings. Easy, <laughs> right? Wow. Uh, and and this, is, this was an absolute shocker. They had no idea that engineering was spending so much time in meetings. And um, getting out of the meeting, you know, out of this conversation, uh, they immediately rolled out a no meetings policy. And uh, two weeks after that, they were back on track. They were at 80% delivery velocity. Um, so, so small things like that, which you just wouldn't assume is happening. And obviously, great engineers, they just fall prey to meetings. So will you look at my Google calendars of my engineers and tell me if they're over overmet? <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Oh, but the cool. whole idea here, the, the whole idea here is, obviously, we don't want to be micromanaging this whole situation, right? We don't want to be like this big boss thing. But the whole idea is to be able to provide this analytics uh, to engineering teams, to developers, and empower them to make better choices. We also know, you know, a lot of developers block their calendars, right? I'm just mm -hmm. going to block four hours on my calendar so I don't get meetings. So we're smart about that. We skip that. We ignore those meetings saying, yep, that's good. That's focus time. We encourage more of those, you know, block your calendar, do your work uh, versus block your calendar and do meetings. Well, yeah, hundred percent. I do that. Yep. It's every time we do something <laughs> new. Being the CEO, my sales team or marketing team comes to me and they say, "Hey, you've got like no availability on your calendar to meet." <laughs> mm -hmm. I was like, "Well, yes. yeah, because I'm doing good work," <laughs> and so yep. uh, we we'll always yep. have to carve out special time. And so that that's interesting. So I could actually see if there's been like increase in you know because as an engineering leader, it would be interesting to to see 
you know, total meeting time over time. And you could actually, you know, see, maybe get a new manager, especially if you have thousands of people at your company, right? Maybe a new manager comes about and all of a sudden all the engineers just tripled their meeting time in this one <laughs> section of the company. That would be an Great. important, I get, I get your in a hard position because often people's minds will drift towards like authoritarian type tools, but I completely get it. Like I want metrics and a dashboard and analytics coming at me. And then I'm just going to arrange that as I see fit. Nope. That metric's not useful to me. Don't show me that. That Correct. metric is useful to me. Show me that. Exactly. And so you can exactly. customize everything inside of Hataka. Yes. Um, yeah. And obviously there's no dearth of metrics, right? We have data from calendar, from, from Jira, from GitHub. So there's no dearth of metrics. The question is, which ones are important for you at this time? And then what are you oh, going yeah. to do about those? Right? I mean, you potentially cannot optimize for all the metrics all the time. So you pick pick your battles, pick one, two, three things, you know, go fix that. Um, for example, uh, if you've hired a lot of developers, uh, your focus needs to be on how quickly can they be productive? How quickly can they code? Uh, or if you have a team that's struggling to release things on time, you probably want to focus on uh, improving your DevOps maturity. You probably want to implement uh, some tooling or systems there. So, you know, the end-to-end -end, um, cycle time uh, reduces. So so depending on the stage and maturity of the company, uh, the the priority shifts. And, and that's okay. That's pretty much how it needs to be. Yeah. Do you have a free trial on the website or how do people get involved with just taking that first step? Yes. So so for uh, customers, there is a free plan. Um, they can go to uh, hatica.io, which is our website, and there is a free plan that they can uh, access. And then, of course, we also have um, higher end you know, paid plans, uh, which we are happy to um, help our customers walk through. Oh, nice. So people can just yep. go, click on it, and just immediately start That's, yep. working with it. They can pretty much get started immediately. Oh, nice. What's your yep. favorite part about the software? I know you're going to probably think about something that's not released yet, but make sure that you can <laughs> talk about it publicly. What's your favorite yes. part about Hataka? Yeah, actually, the, the favorite part, uh, we, we actually just released it last month, to be honest. It's actually, you know, uh, we call it the Sprint Performance Dashboard. So when you think of engineering teams, uh, they all run sprints. And uh, at the end of a sprint, you know, they're running uh, a sprint retro. And more often than not, the retro tends to be very qualitative. There is a lot of conversation about how much, you know, did we plan? How much did we deliver? But that's not the majority of the conversation. The majority of the conversation goes into what we could have done better, right? And in our product, we support a bunch of signals. So we basically pull data from all these systems uh, and we can pretty much generate a summary of how your sprint went uh, across qualitative metrics. Uh, obviously, we can do the quantitative part, but we can do a lot of qualitative metrics. Things like, you know, did you have issues uh, that were not part of the sprint when you started, but they got added into the sprint during the middle of the sprint? Uh, engineering teams hate it. They absolutely hate it when something unplanned comes in the middle of the sprint. We auto-detect that, and that's part of the, that's one of the signals we report on. And there are many such signals. Uh, this one is one of my favorites. Second one is, you know, the code is done. The, the entire piece of code has been written, but it's not been merged because it's stuck for review, right? Uh, and that's a, that's a big pain for developers because they need to write code, they need to get it reviewed, there will be comments, and then you merge it and release it, right? So these are just two of a dozen plus signals, uh, which we actually summarize 
in our sprint uh, performance dashboard and just makes it so powerful for engineering teams uh, to look at this data and have the conversation on the back of it. And what is something that you've learned? So you've, you've been in engineering, you've been in product, you've been around this space, but now that you're building tools specifically for these engineering teams and you're seeing a large variety of engineering teams across multiple industries interact and work, what was some new insight that you've gathered since starting working at Hanukkah? Yeah, uh, this one actually blew my mind. I used to believe that engineering teams, engineering leaders, would know all these things that you're showing them. Uh, turns out that's not the case at all. Let, let me give you an equivalent. So what CRM does for salespeople is it tells them, you know, these are the deals you're working on. This is the value of the deal. This is when it's expected to close. There is complete transparency. There's complete visibility around it. Engineering teams have nothing like this. Absolutely nothing. So engineering teams are incredibly blind on their, on their own selves. So when we show some of these things, when we have some of these conversations with engineering leaders, it's almost like, you know, we've removed the blinders that they were wearing. And, and if you look at some of the conversations we've had, like how much time is engineering spending in meetings? Oh, I never thought of that. Uh, how much time does it take for your developer to release something in production? Um, I think it is, no, no, you don't have to think you can answer this question, right? Uh, or how much time, you know, do your teams spend waiting on other people to review code? Uh, that's a good question, but I don't know. So basic engineering hygiene questions are not asked um, and therefore not answered. That's been my single biggest learning. I, I would not have believed that engineering teams who basically live in data, who speak in data to product teams, to business teams, to end customers, they're this data blind about themselves. So when they don't know the answers to these questions, how much time are my engineers spending in meetings? Is there a, a backlog or is there a delay in code review? Is, you know, is that a problem in my pipeline? When they don't know the answers to these questions, what, what are they tracking? Because they're, they're tracking something. Right, they're tracking. <laughs> they're tracking their work somehow, whether they're using, you know, Jira or whatever it may be. So, what what do you find? Do most people know, even if it may not be that useful, as far as understanding the business and productivity? What numbers do they often know? Yeah, actually, this is a fun uh, line of conversation. Engineering leaders shudder. You know, they they they, they really are scared of going to a conversation where these kind of questions come up. So most engineering leaders have their own presentation formats, their own status update formats. Usually uh, extremely verbose, uh, you know, heavy on text, not really very data oriented. So you would have data like, you know, how many Jira tickets did he close? Uh, what's my uptime? What's my, you know, uh, number of, severity zero issues that are incidents that occurred there are there is data on those which is uh, which is obviously there uh, but on the core engineering execution um, not a lot of data gets reported uh, in fact we are actually putting together a, a, a powerpoint deck a powerpoint template uh, which we basically you know give out to engineering leaders and say if somebody asks you for an update this is what you give you fill these five slides and send the data out uh, is that available today yeah. It is, it is, it is. It oh, is on our website. Where is it on the website? Yeah. 
I'll send out a link. I'll send okay, out a link perfect. afterwards. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. at your website now. I actually have it up. I want to know about async standups. What are asynchronous? I mean, I know what asynchronous standups, I know what the phrase means, but <laughs> what does it actually look like in, in reality? Yeah. So let's let's play this through, right? So let's say you're a you're an engineering manager and you have a team of eight developers um, and you do a daily standup, right? Uh, and everybody has to answer three questions. Uh, what did you do yesterday? What are you planning to do today? And uh, what are you blocked on? It's just three questions that everybody has to answer. Uh, if eight people have to answer 24 questions, uh, and even if they're really, really quick, you're talking about 30 minutes. And this is just talk time, no discussion, no conversation. What happens as a result is a 15-minute stand-up ends up being a half an hour, 45-minute stand-up, right? So what the asynchronous stand-ups feature does is we send these questions out. Uh, obviously, the questions are configurable. We send these questions out on Slack. People can, you know, respond to their questions, to these questions. We summarize the answers and then everybody goes through the answers in the conversation. So the stand-up ends up being a review of just the last question, which is what are you blocked on, right? Uh, focus on that and then help the team uh, move forward. We actually built it for the pandemic period when a lot of teams were distributed, but then the feature is just so popular, you know, we are able to get it across to all our customers even today because uh, a lot of teams are still, you know, either remote or at least they are hybrid. Uh, so that's that's one part. The other thing which we uh, which we are able to do is we actually don't need the teams to tell us what did they do yesterday. We can pull that information from GitHub, um, Jira, uh, and other places. So the answers essentially are pre-populated. You can just modify the things that you couldn't accomplish yesterday. And this is available today? No, the, the last part is uh, something that's coming soon. Uh, in a couple of months, we'll basically be releasing the entire standups done by us. Okay, but is is part of the asynchronous thing yes. done today? Okay. Yes. And so I can just go sign up and and get a trial and play with it? Yes. Yeah, that's part of our free plan. Okay, that seems like it's almost yep. its own product. That's actually pretty cool. <laughs> because, it is. you know, my next thing as a manager is, okay, now, so I ran this, something similar. So we make our show, but then we make about 20 other shows. So we make mm -hmm. shows for other brands, right? So we have different shows and they all have editorial calendars and they're all tracked and everything. And I was talking with my head producer and I said, Hey, you know, I want a, uh, an update. We do this every week of, you know, all the different shows and where they're currently at and answer these three questions about each specific show, right? Cause sometimes mm -hmm. customers can like, we also want to track not only just the hard metrics of deliverables, but like what their current state is, like if they're happy or they're frustrated or whatever mm -hmm. it may be. And so we're getting enough clients now that me reviewing 20 of these deals every single week and reading all about them, I'm like, man, why can't I just paste this whole update into chat GPT and tell me, you know, show Some me weeks. the two or three deals I need to focus on, you know, exactly. because uh, it's just, what are we going to do when we have a hundred, you know? And and so they would be really great if when you're doing those standups, it could somehow figure out like which which are the most important uh, ones to bring up to the man. Like from a manager perspective, I'm managing a team of five and everybody's going to be answering these questions on a daily basis. Like it would great be great to have this filter system that would pop up the most urgent stuff to the top. Because as you know, you don't you aren't guaranteed to get through every single one of them in every single conversation, right? Right. Right. So putting the most yep. important ones first would be interesting. Do you guys do anything like that yet? Uh, no, it's something that we're planning on, actually. 
is something that we've consider, considered quite a bit because uh, as you said you know for for the engineering manager or for the uh, person running the scrum unblocking the team is the most important thing and if you know if there are 10 blockers you probably can't unblock all of them but if we could prioritize that hey this has the single biggest impact on your sprint um, that would be that would be really awesome so it's something that we're very much considering when companies are looking at it from a dollars and cents perspective right i'm going to make this investment it's not only the cost of purchasing i know you have a free version but if i get it like really embedded into my teams it's not only the cost of purchasing your software it's the human cost of implementing it and using it and the training of it and all of that good stuff and the implementation aspect of it so they're going to be looking at some somewhere in the stack of the technology leadership cto or somewhere they're going to say okay you're going to allocate this many, you know, human hours to implementing this at the company and it's going to cost this many dollars so collectively it's going to cost our company this much money to make that move. Are we going to get that much money? Like what's the return on on that what's time and cost? Yeah, what's the ROI on this? You know, how do you obviously they're asking that question. I mean, I would imagine yes. they are in in these yes. sales calls. How do you respond to that? Yeah, actually um it's super easy because if you look at uh any software company and you look at sort of the expenses their number one expense and their number two expense uh, in in any order would be engineering and cloud those are the two right obviously cloud there are a lot of there's a lot of competition there's a lot of things you could do to optimize your cloud spend but when you look at engineering uh, you obviously don't have a lot of data right so the way we focus on this is we can we start by saying hey we can tell you exactly where engineering is investing how much money is engineering spending on your ios app your android app your website your backend so that's one point so it just helps you very quickly understand where engineering is investing the second thing of course is can we get engineering to do more and that's that's the flavor right i mean if you look at what's happening economically right now and the you know recessionary conditions and so on um uh, there's no question that engineering team has to do more and with the advent of ai uh, engineering teams can also produce code faster so the whole conversation of roi that we have is hey first you need to know where your investment is going number two is you need to be faster in your entire cycle time so from the time engineering gets a requirement till the time they ship it into production you've got to be able to crunch that and if we can make that improve by 1% and we're talking about the first or the second biggest expense item in your pnl becoming 1% better i mean that's huge for companies that's that's massive right between cloud and engineering wages that's anywhere from 30 to 50% of your costs wow yeah yeah, yeah. and do you have any case studies or like super happy customers that people can talk with oh yes plenty plenty we have a bunch of case studies on our website uh, plenty of them Nice. Uh, and obviously there are many more that you know that we are signing up for soon. Well, what's next? What are you guys doing that's going to be really cool? Like where do you where do you see this going? Let's say we fast forward 5 years. Where do you see Hatica then? Is it just hanging out with uh you know the the GitHub co-pilot and they're just running <laughs> engineering for everyone and the developers are sitting back eating snacks? Ah, <laughs> uh, no. No. <laughs> I don't think so because as you know prompt engineering is the new thing. so oh, everybody's yeah. got to learn yeah everybody's got to learn how to write get you know better prompts but based on our conversations with customers uh, and this is this is really odd uh, but 
customers who speak to us, they say, hey, what were you doing for engineering? Could you do the same thing for QA? Could you do the same thing for DevOps? Could you do the same thing for designers and product managers? Mm. Right? And these are all, you know, hard to quantify. Like essentially what we're doing is we're quantifying engineering, right? We're basically taking down every piece of engineering and putting a number to it. But there's no reason why this can't be done for the other, you know, roles uh, in, in product engineering, uh, like QA, like DevOps uh, and the others. So that's kind of one part that we, uh, we might explore in the future. But one thing is for sure, you know, the, uh, the speed with which engineering teams have moved so far, uh, I think they need to move at least 10x faster, at least 10x faster. Um, because writing code um, used to be extremely cumbersome, used to be extremely difficult. You have corner cases, you have, you know, test cases, uh, failures. Uh, you know, a lot of these can be overcome, you know, through smarter prompts to uh, chat GPT or um, GitHub Copilot. So engineering needs to move quicker. That's the that's the fund, fundamental premise here. I, I 100% agree. And prompt engineering, you're exactly right. I actually found myself writing a job post on Upwork the other day for a prompt engineer to help us write <laughs> proposals and business cases for, for companies. And uh, right. it, it's been fascinating. I almost got old. I almost became an old person because I saw these GPTs coming out and I saw mid-journey coming out and I'm just like, eh, you know, I'm not, I'm running my business. I'm making money. Like I'm, we're growing the teams. Like I'm focused on this. And then I realized, uh-oh, like 18 year old version of myself would be sitting around playing and tinkering with whatever is coming out and looking at all the old people saying, you guys have no idea what's coming. What's, I exactly. need to spend some time. So I spent a couple mornings and boy, chat GPT was first from February until now the past seven, eight months or so, we have, that has become a key part of our business. Very important. Yes. Very important part of our business. Yes. It's quite incredible. And I think um, somebody said this many years ago, if you don't like change, the technology industry is a terrible industry to be in because the only constant here is change uh, compared to, you know, any other industry, manufacturing, financial services, healthcare, retail, things change, but, but not the rate at which they change here. It's crazy to think about how things were 10 years ago, uh, even two years ago, you know, who would have thought, you know, AI would change our lives so much two years ago. I mean, at that point, the greatest things were still microservices, serverless computing, mm -hmm. cloud, machine learning. And here we are two years later, nobody's saying these things. I know, <laughs> because yeah. it's so it's so crazy how good the technology is. Yeah, I think there's no limit to how far we can go uh, as a population. And I think that's the that's the thing. So this AI thing is probably a blip um, in the 100-year yeah. history of computing, but it's a significant blip. It's a significant blip. Well, this is great. So our next conversation will be in 25 years and the Andromeda Galaxy. You and I yes. will meet up at one of the <laughs> coffee shops. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we shall. Hopefully the audio video would be a lot better. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yes. Or yeah, we might yes. just teleport at that point in time. So <laughs> who knows? Yes. Beat me up. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. 
Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.